Hello, this is Dr. Mansur Mohammed, and today we'll be mapping methylation on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be continuing my conversation with Dr. Mansoor Mohammed about methylation. Dr. Mansoor is the president and CSO of the DNA Company, a leading and innovative provider of comprehensive functional genomics testing and consulting and an industry first individualized customized supplements to learn more about dr mansoor be sure to tune in to the previous episode of the podcast where i share a more comprehensive bio in my introduction today i want to be sure to dive right back in where we left off because i know methylation is a topic we all seek to understand better welcome back dr mansoor what I want to talk about is one of my pet peeves that I see happening in holistic, integrative, and functional interventions. And yep. that has to do with the processes of detoxification. Yep. And I think what you're speaking to, and if we could go into this for a moment, is how individual this process can be. And when people are forcing the processes of detoxification without understanding the individual's needs or their methylation function, we're yes. actually doing more disservice to the body. We're causing more inflammation. And I don't think that's fully understood. And I'm wondering, do I have that right from your biochemical perspective? Because I'm seeing it, but is that related to what we're talking about with the methylation processes? Absolutely. And that's what I that's why I use that analogy of the conveyor belt, you see, because think of the speed of the conveyor belt as being induced or being contributing to the speed of the conveyor belt are certain otherwise purportedly beneficial micronutrients or beneficial detox regimens. In other words, you can start speeding up that conveyor belt to a point where for sure you want the conveyor belt moving. But you can speed up that conveyor belt too much so that now think of that conveyor belt working so fast that the poor robotic arms, which are individually determined in terms of their capacity, in terms of their efficiency by your genetics. In other words, the efficiency of the robotic arms in the analogy in the pictorial that we drew, those robotic arms relate to the genes that control the robotic arms, which relate to the efficiency of the robotic arms. Now, if you you do not know the individual efficiency of each of the enzymatic biotransformation stations, speaking now a little bit more scientifically, which was the analogy we use for the robotic arms. If you do not know an individual's genetic capacity for the, for the efficiency of each of their stations in methylation or in any other detox pathway, such as glutathionization, such as glucuronidation, and so on and so forth. If you do not know the sum total of the efficiency of the cascade, and you think, well, these nutrients, these regimens, quote unquote, improve detox, but what you're doing is you're speeding up the conveyor belt beyond the 
individual genetic capacity of the person, you can actually cause much more harm than benefit. Yeah, yeah, so well said. I think when we're talking about what to do, so if we're talking about listeners understanding methylation and not sitting there shaking in their boots and that they can't do anything, I would recommend that we're working on the right side of the matrix. We're working on decreasing that toxic load from the get-go while we do more exploration, whether that's through the brilliant testing that you provide at the DNA company, through next steps of investigation that we tone down the inputs so that we can do what I call clearing the muddy waters. Would you agree with that process? Wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. And I think implicit in what you've said, not to put words into your mouth, number one, you just summarized it beautifully, Andrea. Number two, I get the sense, and by the way, this is something I advocate, that more is not better. We're starting from a baseline. We're trying to do what is, especially when we introduce micronutrients into the diet, when we introduce highly purified, highly bioactive ingredients that are beyond their whole food version or concentration, okay, which is not to say that they can't be valuable and they become medicinal in this regard. In other words, they impact cellular function that we should be looking at, like you said, clearing the muddy waters first before just dumping in willy-nilly high concentrations of multiferous micronutrients without understanding the individual capacity of the person. And Andrea, a point here, as you mentioned earlier, let me just for one moment, let's go into geek mode, like you said. Yeah, let's do it. Geek mode. We're there already. So we mentioned that there's these, there are four, keeping it fairly simple but accurate. So we said that the MTHFR gene, which produces the MTHFR enzyme, the methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, in the word reductase, you can understand what this enzyme is doing. This enzyme is reducing 510-methylene tetrahydrofolate, which is the substrate that was coming down the chain. MTHFR, the enzyme, reduces 5,10-methylene-tetrahydrofolate into 5-methyl-tetrahydrofolate. In other words, we have removed, we have reduced the methyl group at position 10 from that carbon ring, so to speak. Fair enough. Point being, the MTHFR gene coding the MTHFR enzyme is preceded by another gene and another enzyme that, in other words, comes before it, that I just can't believe, A, people don't don't talk about it, and B, it demonstrates the superficiality and, frankly, the lack of understanding. In reality, the gene that comes before MTHFR, the SHMT1 gene, the serine hydroxymethyl transferase. So look what this gene is doing. This is a transferase, not a reductase. It's a transferase gene. This is the gene in the reaction that's going to create your 510-methylene tetrahydrofolate upon which the MTHFR is going to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fair enough. When you look at this cascade, you go, well, ultimately it's the MTHFR that is priming the folate into 5-methyl-tetrahydrofolate, and that's why all of, this, all of this attention has gone to the MTHFR gene. But stop for a moment. Your SHMT1 transferase, here it comes, 
It is this gene and this enzyme that plays the primary role in dictating does your methyl cycle go down into its phase two detox modality or does it take the methyl groups into the nucleus wherein it causes methylation of your DNA, i.e. in controlling the epigenetic component of methylation. So in other words, the real fulcrum point in the cellular methylation cycle is the SHMT1 gene. It is at the SHMT1 gene and its enzyme level that we bifurcate, that we split the methylation reaction. Is it going to go into, quote unquote, your classic make 5 methyl tetrahydrofolate, methylate methionine into homocysteine, blah, blah, blah? Is it going to go down that route? Or is it going to go down what we call the thymidylate route, the route wherein it is going to affect your DNA methylation? And so this is why the SHMT1 gene and certain variations that impact the efficiency of the SHMT1 gene, actually, they're even more important than the MTHFR gene. That's why you speak about it as functional genomics, what you do, because basically when we're looking at the roots or we're backing it up, as I like to say, we're going upstream, you're going upstream from MTHFR and seeing what actually impacts the expression of the MTHFR gene positively or negatively. Did I summarize that right? <laughs> you're seeing what what strain or you're seeing what potentiation yes. you're putting on the cell for the MTHFR to then do its job. And this is going to become a little bit clearer, Andrea, when we start speaking of folate as a micronutrient itself, because then we can whittle down into here is where different versions of folate and so on and so forth impact the cell differently. But for the time being, yes, your summary would be a good basic consideration that you've got to, A, understand that it is a cascade. And like any cascade, if you pick a point in the cascade that is in the middle, you have to determine what is coming before it yes. and what is coming after it. You have to determine what is putting pressure on the system before the thing that you're looking at? And then how is the system handling what comes downstream? Brilliantly said, Dr. Mansoor. I'm so excited to talk to you in the next episode about folate and continue our conversation. An honor and such a pleasure, Andrew. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, and production by Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes, including the other two episodes in this series with Dr. Mansoor at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode ready and waiting for you, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. Plus, as always, you have an open invitation to email us. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15 Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.